You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everyone to rb1 colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by fake teams i am your humble host pete rogers joined just this week by mr class jordan smith uh jordan how are you doing well doing well i'm just gearing up my week is over because i am heading out to the nation's capital tomorrow wow for the weekend yeah gonna take a nice long four-day weekend Got some plans, going to drink some brews, maybe steal the Declaration of Independence. It Who knows what can happen? Anything could happen when you're in D.C. I mean, if Nick Cage can pull off that, I, I feel like anyone can. Yeah, exactly. And don't post this podcast until after my flight has landed, because I don't want to be put on the no-fly list. <laughs> I'll make sure. <laughs> yes, because on our laundry list of uh, people who listen to the podcast, the U.S. government is one of them, along with every head coach in the NFL. Uh, and and many other people who we've listed, I'm sure, uh, throughout this podcast. Uh, no Clark this week. He is now flying home from his beautiful Hawaii vacation, um, which both off we will make sure to delve deep into uh, at the start of next week's podcast. But also, um, evidently, Jordan, we have not only do we have listeners and fans, but we had some people who did not approve of our Hawaii discussion at the opening of last week's podcast. And to them, I say, a poo-poo. Poo-poo to you, sir. Um, oh, see here, I was going to start talking about like three days at the Condor and <laughs> The Post. That's a more recent DC movie. <laughs> yeah, we could list all of our favorite DC movies now just to suck it to you, one person who gave us a bad review. This is what we do. We call you out. Um, but no, no, we enjoyed that you listened to the podcast and that you had a visceral reaction to, uh, to our entertainment style. We felt ourselves too much, according to you. So we will try to feel ourselves less this podcast. Um, that being no said, promises. I just, no promises, no promises. Um, we've got a little bit of news on the docket and then we are going to bring back the greatest game on the internet, uh, in the internet, around the internet. I don't know exactly what you, whether or not you're on or in or or at the internet. I don't know exactly how that verbiage goes, but um, we'll be bring back. Would you rather? Um, so we will play that NFL draft edition, um, and then that's a pretty much it. Uh, so let's start with some uh, NFL news. Uh, we'll start. It's this news basically broke. I think like pretty much right after last week's podcast. So it's very old news, but you know, yeah, we might as well talk about it because it's a, involving my Patriots. Uh, Patriots signed Jordan Matthews wide receiver to a one year deal. Um, I personally love this move. Uh, ignore last year because he was dealing with injuries all the time. But between 2014 and 16, Matthews was has basically had basically the exact same numbers as Julian Edelman uh, production wise. He actually had more touchdowns. He had 19 uh, to Julian Edelman's 14. So he is a very wildly productive receiver out of the slot has already established that uh, struggled with injuries last year with the bills, never seemingly got on track with Tyrod Tyrod Taylor and that offense and all of that jazz. Um, but I would trust the Patriots be able to, if he's healthy to take full advantage of him, uh, he traditionally operates out of the slot. I don't know exactly how that would fit in, considering now that the Patriots have gotten rid of Cooks. They need kind of an outside guy. But who knows? Maybe he takes Danny Amendola's kind of slot role, and that pushes you know Malcolm Mitchell to the outside. But I like it a lot. I think I think he is a very good receiver, and I think people are very low on him because of last year and have forgotten that he was a wildly productive back in like you know 14, 15, 16. Yeah, I my timeline may be a little bit askew here, but I believe he was in for a visit before they traded Brandon cooks. So I think they really, the Patriots knew that this was 
a done deal. They must have had like a handshake agreement or um, something along those lines. And they just like, you know, what? we got to get this deal to get Brandon Cooks moved first and then we can go about signing you. Um, I like it for the Patriots just because it is a, another body and they just they need more pass catchers. Um, Jordan Matthews is a big target, too. He's a big target. He's young. Um, I know with Philadelphia, they kind of pushed him into the slot because he wasn't doing a whole lot anywhere else. But at the same time, those were kind of in some lost Chip Kelly years that he was producing that. So I think Bill Belichick and those guys and Tom Brady, they'll be able to figure out a little bit more about what to do with Jordan Matthews. Because when he was playing um, at Vanderbilt, I believe it is, he was an outside guy and I loved him coming out in that draft. I thought he was the best receiver in that draft. Granted, that was the same draft as Amari Cooper. Um, I still might not be Jury's wrong. Still out. You could be right. <laughs> Who knows? I still, still might not be, not be wrong, but I, I liked Amari him. And coming off a trash year last year. Who knows? He could, he could end up blowing up. Yeah. I forget about the Chip Kelly years of, of Philly. I think everybody tries to. Everyone just kind of has pushed that out of their mind. Um, Moving on in the news, also in the wide receiver department, the Saints signed, this was earlier in the week, signed Cameron Meredith to an offer sheet. Uh, I believe it was $10 million. We were talking about this before we uh, hit record. And it just came out today that the Bears are not going to match it, which at this point in free agency, that's a heck of a get for the Saints, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of risk because he's coming off of it, both an ACL and an MCL injury. He tore both of those, and so he's he's recuperate, recuperating from that. But in 2016, he had 66 catches for 188 yards and four touchdowns, and he's only 25 years old. Uh, and adding him with Michael Thomas builds a very potent young receiving core. Uh, both of those guys can play on the outside. Willie Sneed in the slot, and obviously you got Kamara and Ingram in that backfield. I was surprised. Maybe the money is daunting, I guess. I was surprised, A, that the Bears weren't going to match his offer sheet, uh, and B, that there wasn't more of a market for him, uh, given just how how well and how, I guess, how, how high the expectations were for him uh, coming into last year before he destroyed his knee. Yeah, I think the Bears were okay with not matching the offer sheet. Uh, five million dollars for two years so 10 million total uh partly because they were able to get Allen robinson who was a big receiver prize for free agency i was more surprised at where the saints ended up finding this cash to pay him um <laughs> the salary cap calculator i don't believe that um our boy meredith is even calculated on here yet but they have a salary cap number this year of 5.1 million um 5.2 if you're rounding up so that's pushing it to the edge they kind of just got out of salary cap hell too um from the past couple years some bad contracts they handed out so i don't really know where they're going with this maybe they're just trying to replace some willie sneed production because he definitely took a step back and can't seem to keep himself out of trouble do you think that this means so what you were saying about the Bears, right? Because the Bears got Allen Robinson, which is obviously a great get. But do you think maybe, possibly, tentatively, is this good news for Kevin White as being maybe healthy finally? Like, are the Bears in house seeing Kevin White? I mean, Kevin White like is in shape. You can see he's posted many Instagram and and kind of his own workout videos where he is looking uh, uh, trim and fit, as some might say. Uh, but do you think that this is like the Bears have seen him and this is a good sign for that? And they were willing to let Meredith kind of walk out the door for a lot more money because they're like, hey, you know what? We have a number one receiver, Alan Robinson and Kevin White, who was the number whatever seven pick two years ago, uh, might finally be able to give some uh, on field production. I hope so. I mean, honestly, you just like to see a receiver, especially a first round pick, just get on the field and get a chance to prove whether or not he's a bust. Uh, you don't want to have um, a situation like Kevin White where he just can't get on the field and can't play at all. Um, and this is yeah. coming from me, resident Packer fan over right. here. I still want to be able to see this young kid get a chance. Um, if I you're a bust, if you're a bust, you should you need to earn that title. And that yeah. involves you being like on the 
on the uh, on the field and and making horrible plays, right? You can't. It's it's no fair. It's no fun to be called a bust if you're just a bust because you don't play. Yeah, and I mean, you just got to prove that you're terrible or not. <laughs> Which Kevin <laughs> Kevin White was a good receiver coming out of college. Um, I always thought he was going to at least have somewhat of a decent career. I thought it was a good move by the Bears to draft somebody like him um, at the time. I think they did give up a little bit on Cameron Meredith a little too soon. Um, yeah, again, 25 years old, a young receiver. He put up over 800 yards two years ago when his quarterbacks were Barkley, Hoyer, and Cutler. Yeah. One more thing. He's also in the Muhammad Sanu quarterback club because his completion percentage is 100%, one for one, two yards, and a touchdown. There you go. And we know Matt Nagy likes to throw it around the goal line because he had Travis Kelsey throw it at one point who I think threw an interception or something oh, like was, that. It was awful. He he looked at every single read he had and he still <laughs> threw an interception. Um, so he just got rid of his best his best backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, I I was I'm surprised too how quickly the Bears, especially given that I mean, you're this whole off this whole offseason, right, is about putting as much talent around Mitchell Trubisky as possible. And mm-hmm. and maybe five mil a year for someone coming off of an ACL MCL is I guess I guess with the way the wide receiver market played out, like that doesn't seem like an inordinate amount of money. And for someone who flashed a lot of potential and a lot of talent why would you pass on that? My thought, maybe it's because a system, maybe Matt Nagy really only wants kind of one dominant receiver. And maybe we see Tariq Cohen. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Tariq Cohen kind of become more of a receiver than a running back, blah, 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 blah. Um, Who knows? Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I definitely agree with you. I feel like the Bears are kind of giving up a little quickly on Cam Meredith, which means it's a great get for for the Saints. And if I'm Cam Meredith, Hell, I'd be a lot happier to catch balls from Drew Brees than uh, than Mitchell Trubisky. So that's a win for him. Yeah, and who knows? Because the the Packers kind of juked the Bears into signing Kyle Fuller to an offer sheet. It was a pretty crafty move by Russ Ball, who handles a lot of the Packers' contracts. So maybe they're a little bit gun shy about mm-hmm. signing him to this one. Um, it kind of feels like they're going in the. Maybe not the opposite direction, but not in the same direction as every other team that has a young quarterback. And I mean, the Bears have cap space to spend still. They have 27 million this year, um, only around 57 next year. But I mean, they should they should be really going all in. You're right. They should be surrounding weapons. I wonder if they love one of these rookie wide receivers. That could be true. They are Maybe. they are drafting in a in a position that will get them a, they a could decent take, receiver if they, they want. Could take, yeah, they could take any of those guys. And so maybe they're Maybe they really like those get one of those guys, and they're like, you know what? We'll get that on a rookie deal, pair that with Allen Robinson, and we'll make it work rather than sign Cameron Meredith and see what happens. Who knows? A lot of intrigue there. Uh, final bullet point in the news. It's a sad, sad day, um, as I'm sure everyone knows, because this is the headline news across, across the NFL, across Twitter, across Washington Post, across, I mean, every major news outlet was running this story. Um, and I say it with a heavy heart. Color Rush is dead. It is over. Um, I guess in some announcement, basically, they decided that solid color uniforms were no longer desirable or necessary for Thursday night football games. And I, for one, Jordan am devastated by this news. Honestly, I, it was super gimmicky to me. Um, you, didn't have, you didn't have the emotional connection that, that myself and many Americans had. I guess not because the Packers color rush jerseys were always just, they were just white. So it's like, okay, those look like they're regular ass jerseys anyway. So who cares? <laughs> Um, I mean, it's nice to be able to like, as a fan, get some other color options, you know, if you're feeling a team or they want to trot out a third alternate, I know that's like the Seattle Seahawks thing, but Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. For it the was... colorblind people in my life, they're probably super happy about it. <laughs> they can finally see what happens when the Jets and Bills play each other. Since that happens every year on Thursday Night Football. And every year, everyone's like, oh, red, green, colorblind can't see this game. And it's funny. I actually, it was like two or three years ago, someone actually put like a, you know, a filter on one of the game footage uh, and being like, if you are red, red, green, colorblind, this is what you see. And you literally can't tell the difference They're They look the exact same. It's just like awful, awful job by the NFL on that count. Um, and they didn't even fix it. And that was like two or three years ago, but I guess now they're fixing it by killing it. So there you go. Color rush is officially dead. Womp womp. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, but Jordan, before we started hitting record, you had some breaking NFL, not only NFL news, but NFL clothing news. Oh, yeah. So all 32 official NFL draft hats are out and they're all featuring some, I guess, unique slogans, unless you're San Francisco, where your slogan is just Niners. Um, the... Dolphins have like go fins, Broncos, Bronco country. Uh, the Jets say J E T S with the dashes in between. Um, have you seen the, the I, hats? Do you have a favorite? I have. Um, I, I don't have a favorite. I've it's been interesting. I've seen a lot of scathing reviews about them on, on the interwebs, which I don't love them, but I don't hate them. Like, I don't hate them to the point where I'm like, these are the worst things ever. Um, some of the slogans are pretty bad, though. Especially, so the one that I had mild, I guess, issue with. Eh, it's not even mild issue with. Uh, the Vi Like, some of them, they just didn't do the obvious one. Like, the Vikings, they said, defend the North instead of just skull. Like, I feel uh, on some of them, they tried a little too hard to be cute. Um, instead of just being like, hey, this is what everyone, this is the tagline that everyone's been associating with the team. Let's just do that. And said there sometimes they were like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, be a little, a little, you know, adventurous. Yeah. So I know a few Viking fans and I've literally never heard them say defend the North. But right. I have like a visceral reaction every time they say skull Vikings because it happens every single week. So I feel like um, that would have been an easy, an easy uh, uh, slogan to slap on on the lid. Yeah, that would have been super easy. Um, I actually like the Patriots one because it, it just says do your job it's super on the nose for uh the bill belichick run patriots too because they're slapping that cap on a rookie that's, and they're the like, thing. that's my favorite idea is like this rookie putting this hat on and it's just on across his forehead it's gonna say do your job and, and belichick is just gonna stare at it and be like do your job kid and see the packers have a three word uh phrase on there it's just standard go pack go that's what we say yep their middle word pack is in bold, but the Patriots middle word your is in bold. So it's like putting emphasis on it. Do, <laughs> do your job your and job. don't worry about anybody else type of thing. Um, one of my qualms though would be with the Buffalo Bills's hat. Um, oh yeah. Isn't it, it like Bill leave? It says Bill leave. And what about Bill's mafia? It, it 100% needs to say either Bill's mafia or circle the wagons. Like, that's exactly what exactly. they need. Right. It's again, that's an instance of the NFL trying to be too cute and completely overthinking it. Yeah. I, I don't like the Seahawks either. Oh my Sorry. God. I was just about to say the absolute <laughs> worst one is the Seattle Seahawks hat, which is like, we are the 12 or whatever the shit it is with the flag. Ugh, the 12. What? <laughs> like, okay. And not to uh, be entirely negative too. I like the lions one pride. That's a good phrase. That's a good one. Um, the, not really this, the, the LA the LA Chargers is just the Superchargers, isn't it? Is that oh better? yeah, it's just it says Chargers, but they just slapped a super up there, which like, is you could do okay. like charge up. Couldn't that be it? Nailed yeah. it. I also liked. Ooh, I did like Mob Squad for the rate for the Rams. Yeah, I don't really know what that meant. No <laughs> idea what that is either. Maybe is that their new name for their secondary? Uh. Probably for their I'll entire take, defense. <laughs> for their entire defense, we call Mob Squad. Uh, if they are not already, yeah, I think the design was cool. I liked. I liked having. I mean, the NFL has been very slogany um, over the last few years, right? With all like their team specific hashtags and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was just 
I, yeah, there were definitely some of the hats where they, they chose a slogan that I was like, why? Why did you pick this? This is nothing to do. No one from this team ever says this. Or it's like, when did that become your slogan? Right. Um, sorry what? to any sort of cowboy fans I may offend, but your I said I told my friends this right away. I'm like, the Cowboys one is the absolute worst because it is just a straight up lie. And it says America's team on it. Jordan, we are 100% on the same wavelength because not only did you already spark the Seahawks comment before I was able to introduce it, I was literally just about to be like, at what point can we stop calling the Cowboys America's team? At what point do they are they not America's team? Because they haven't been America's team for probably the last decade. Well, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 95. And also the inside, the inside brim phrase of these hats says them boys with like T-H-E-M, but every Cowboys fan that's in Cowboys Twitter says Dem Boys, like D-E-M. I know they probably had to spell it correctly, but come on. Well, no, because they said, because they had Who Day for the Bengals or oh, yeah. the Saints. Um, I think, did they have Who Day and Who Day? Oh, no, Who, Who Day was the Bengals and the Saints had something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they clearly can spell things wrong. So yeah, dem boys should have clearly been in as opposed to them boys. We're not America's team is not about proper grammar here. NFL get on the same page. So there you go. There was our at times scathing at times, uh, jovial review of the NFL draft caps. Um, the highlight being how stupid the Seahawks hat is just the so dumb the I'm sorry if you are a Seahawks fan you're listening to this feel free to never listen to this podcast again but the whole 12 thing is I find just completely dumb and dumb and stupid so there we go uh all right so there's the news that's all the news short and sweet um we are now going to move on to the best game on in around the internet would you rather Uh, a delightful game. We haven't played it in a while. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, it's a very simple game. It's the game that everyone plays at some point in their life. You offer two different, an and or an or, and we pick one of them and we discuss. Simple game. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to do NFL Draft Edition, Would You Rather? And I will get us started here with a nice, easy one. Uh, Jordan, you are the Giants. Let's assume you are comfy with. Eli, or you're just not thrilled with either of these young quarterbacks, would you rather draft Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley with the number two pick this year? Saquon Barkley. Um, Reasoning, I'm considering thinking that the Giants should take Saquon Barkley over an actual quarterback. Um, Mm -hmm. If they're not absolutely in love, like, head over heels, you know, take them out on a proper date, buy them flowers, pay for dinner, drinks, everything in love with a quarterback in this draft, then they should just wait. You know, Eli's not dead yet. He can still at least throw the ball a little bit. Um, I think if Pat Shermer can turn Case Keenum into an MVP caliber quarterback, he can still get a little juice out of Eli Manning. Um, But Saquon Barkley is not somebody that's going to come up in another draft. He is a transcendent talent at the running back position. Um, and I don't think he's going to flame out in a couple years as the average lifespan of a running back keeps getting smaller and smaller because he is a really good pass catcher. Um, this is probably a little bit more of an athletic Le'Veon Bell type of running back. And I think if you can get him and take him more importantly, take him away from other people in the draft, then that's something that you just you just got to do. So I completely agree with you. Uh, and I, I know that the shelf life, and you touched on it, right, that the shelf life for an RA, for a running back is criminally short and they're undervalued at the undervalued position. And you're like, why would you spend such a high pick on them? Yada, yada, you can get them later in the draft. Um, but Barkley, yeah, instantly changes that offense. He helps Eli. He helps Odell. He helps everyone on that offense. Um. And I think the biggest thing for me where you talk about he is a, you know, generational talent. 
while we were, while I was writing this, I was like, Hey, you know what? Let me, let me, let me do what good people do for their job and uh, do a little research. Um, and so I pulled up some different comps and I went to NFL.com and NFL.com of course has like all of their draft cards and it's like, you know, here's all the little facts about them. And then they have a comparison for each one. And so I was like, all right, let's see who they compare Bradley Chubb to. And let's see who they compare Saquon Barkley to now. Obviously, I recognize these comparisons are, uh, you know, you shouldn't, they're not law. Take them with a grain of salt, with a very hearty grain of salt. But uh, the comparison they had for Bradley Chubb was Chris Long, very productive player, great player, someone you would happily add to your defense. This comparison they had for Saquon Barkley uh, was Barry Sanders. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like say that, you know, Saquon Barkley is Barry Sanders and Bradley Chubb is Chris Long, but if it comes down, if that is the ceiling of their careers, I'm going to take Barry Sanders or Chris Long, Chris Long, I love you come onto the podcast, but I just, yeah, I think, I think if you're trying to, if you really think that Eli has a little bit left and you bring up a great point about Pat Shermer uh, and with the Vikings last year, if you think Eli even has a couple of years left, the best thing to do to milk those years out of him is to get him a, a stable running game for the first time in what his career. Um, since Tiki. <laughs> yes. Tiki. Uh, and so, and you're getting him one of the best running backs to come out in a long, long time. And someone who's be who can transition, and now you're giving also your your youth, you're infusing that offense with youth, which I think is something that will help keep or help make that transition from Eli to whomever you get easier, right? If you have everyone kind of on that same timeline, then it doesn't become like, oh shit, we need to like get rid of Odell and start over. It's like, hey, we've got Odell, we've got Saquon Barkley, we've got Sterling Shepard. Uh, we've got Evan Ingram. We've got like, you know, we've got a young nucleus here. Let's pop in a quarterback who we fall in love with and we're good to go. So yeah, Saquon Barkley, I think is the right pick there. Um, so give me, let's hear your first, uh, NFL draft edition. Would you rather? So this one comes from a little bit of an experience that I recently had with a mock draft and a team that I was picking for, um, has to do with the Indianapolis Colts at pick number six. They traded back from three. Would you rather make a selection at six and take a defender, uh, probably a defender at that point, a safety defensive back defensive end, or would you rather trade back again, collect some more draft capital and trade with like, the the dolphins or the cardinals that want to move up and grab themselves a quarterback do you take a top 10 talent or do you move back that's a good question for me i would take a player if someone like chubb or barkley falls barkley i don't think is going to fall i don't think barkley is going to make it past but i could see a tentative world where chubb makes it all the way down to six if that if he's on the board, I 100% take Chubb. Even and if Quentin Nelson is on the board, uh, we're doing a, a a mock draft for fake teams, and I was the Colts and I took Quentin Nelson. Well, mainly because we weren't doing trade, so I was like, I can't trade out of this pick, and I really like Quentin Nelson there, but he could go to Denver. Blah 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 blah. I would trade down. I think the Colts, uh, and you addressed this, you alluded to this on defense. I think the Colts have a lot of issues they need to fix. Um, and this is a draft where with the kind of emphasis that's being put on quarterbacks, particularly in the higher picks, a lot of players could get pushed down the board. And I feel like there's, for every defensive position, maybe this is just my own naivete speaking out, um, but I feel like there's like two or three top guys at each position. And so... Maybe you're infatuated with one, like maybe you're infatuated with Derwin James, but if you get Minka Fitzpatrick instead, you're not really going to complain. Um, and so same thing with like Denzel Ward or Josh Jackson um, or even uh, Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado, who I really like. Um, so I think trading, I think trading down is the way to go. I would, uh, that's what I would pick. See, and that's what I did. Um, so my mock draft was with a uh, fellow SB Nation blog, Acme Packing Company. And I really trust these guys' draft acumen. Uh, you, 
you know, talking about the draft through Slack and just being really proactive on it. So I really trust what they're able to bring as far as drafting for the other teams. Um, but trading back with the Cardinals allowed me to put the Colts at 15, grab Harold Landry for yep. the Colts. So a solid linebacker that's being compared to um, Anthony Barr, basically. Um, it allowed me in the second round then to get Calvin Ridley. Wow. Uh, who, who dropped Isaiah Oliver, who you said yep. you loved. Love dude, Isaiah Oliver. Dude has long arms. Um, Orlando Brown. So he's a yep. offensive tackle that had a terrible garbage um, combine, but that is my third pick in the second round. So I'm like, let's, let's roll the dice. Let's shake it up. Um, Arden key grabbing another edge rusher in the second round. Um, I think that is it, but yeah, that is another, just a haul in a fairly deep draft. So I would say if the Colts have the opportunity that why not trade back, you can get a lot of good pieces for a team that let's face it, they have needs. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and, and so we can del- delve down this rabbit hole for a little bit because I wanted to talk about this and I didn't have the, per- oh, I don't know what Avenue I was going to introduce it, but this is perfect. So thanks Jordan. Um, there are whispers that Cleveland's going to take Josh Allen at number one, which is just, please God, don't. If that happens, that then pushes, like, that changes the whole complexion of the draft. And I think it could then push a lot of quarterbacks down to six, where suddenly now the draft, you know, suddenly the Colts can get a haul for one of these guys, right? Yeah, let's be upfront and frank about this. Josh Allen is not the best quarterback in the draft, but with... John Dorsey there now in Cleveland. He has a history of drafting just big armed quarterbacks. If they're still following the analytic model, it doesn't make any sense to draft Josh Allen because his numbers and stats are terrible. But that, yeah, it's that first, would you rather that New York Giants position that I think really will set the tone for that quarterback run. If they take one, we already know the Jets traded up specifically to get a uh, quarterback. So if the if the top three picks are quarterbacks, people are going to be licking their chops, hoping to go up and get either a Darnold or a Rosen or a Mayfield. Our boy Lamar Jackson is still going to be there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really thinking if the Giants do opt for a quarterback, we're talking possibly five in the top ten, which would six be six maybe in the top fifteen. Um. Quickly on Josh Allen to the to the Browns, and then I'll give my would you rather. It's not only just that, and it terrifies me that John Dorsey loves cannon-armed quarterbacks because given that team's track record, it's just like, why take the project? Why? You don't have a quarterback for him to sit behind. You have Tyrod. I don't know. I would just just get the quarterback that's, that's game ready, Rosen or Donald, and just pop him in. And just let that be like, don't take the potential because guess what, Cleveland, you've had no ability to develop potential. There's been no quarterback like Josh Allen coming into the NFL because he has been statistically terrible. Terrible is a strong word. I apologize. Not great. Um, And has had no kind of like showcase game where people are like, yeah, this guy's an NFL. It's, It's purely just talent based. It's all on potential. And I guess, like, I, if I was an NFL player or an NFL GM and was, like, basically staking my career on a draft pick, I don't know if I'm going to be picking the quarterback that's all potential and that I need to put a ton of work into as opposed to the guy who's maybe not going to reach the ceiling of Josh Allen, but at the very least is going to give me a much, much, much higher floor. Yeah, I mean... Literally all the quarterbacks that they've drafted over the past few years have been projects like they need to sit. They need to wait a few games before they're ready to play. But when you have an opportunity to grab like a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold, those two, I genuinely believe are just NFL ready. They're ready to come in and run the offense. You're the Browns. So you have a very okay offensive line right now. You brought in some very good weapons receivers carlos hyde just plug in a qb and go out there and try to win seven games at least i think that quarterback is going to whether if it's rosen or darnold they're just going to benefit from having those real life game reps right away with a offense that actually has pieces 
boxes. Don't wait for Josh Allen to maybe be okay. Now, I hope Josh Allen isn't a bust. I hope he's actually develops and plays good because I don't want to wish that on anybody, but I just don't see it. Yeah. Maybe he should play tight end. Um, second, my second, would you rather, uh, and this is a fantasy question for you, Jordan. Um, would you rather Calvin Ridley go to the Ravens or the Cardinals, which would maximize his fantasy value, uh, in your opinion? Long-term, um, so if I'm thinking like dynasty league, actually, if I'm thinking just a one year league in general, I would rather have him on the Cardinals um, for, for two reasons. One, the Ravens receivers just uh, perpetually, they're just not very good options. Uh, even when you have Steve Smith there, who is a hall of fame wide receiver catching balls, it's just, it's not that good of a look there. Um, of course, in Arizona, they don't really have a quarterback option except Sam Bradford. Um, Larry Fitzgerald is there. Uh, David Johnson's there. They're going to take away targets. But I just think that would be a better scenario for Calvin Ridley to develop. Um, I mean, who would you rather have him learning under? Michael Crabtree or consummate professional Larry Fitzgerald? That's a good point. I just, and, and I love calvin ridley my next would you rather actually has to do with him nice. but um I, I would just rather him be in arizona just because yeah. honestly it's a trick question because rookie wide receivers have not been great fantasy options recently so i'm probably going to stay away from most fantasy from most rookie wide receivers but uh if since i asked the question i gotta pick one and the right answer is yeah the cardinals uh a lot is riding on bradford's health but bradford when he's healthy is a better quarterback than joe flacco um, and I like the idea of Ridley, who's coming into the NFL, already hail, heralded as like a, a very savvy route runner, learning from Larry Fitzgerald. Like that's if you already kind of know how to run routes and then you're learning from one of the best to ever run routes and with the best hands and all and one of the best wide receivers. And like you said, consummate professional, like that could be scary. That could greatly accelerate his development and turn him into a, a legit number one, just like dominant receiver so clearly the right answer give me give me your your calvin ridley would you rather yeah um so this is kind of by virtue of calvin ridley slipping in mock drafts and not being i mean at one point he was projected i know this obviously he was projected at 14 to the packers early in like january and i was like talking myself into it. I was ready to go. I'm like, let's get ourselves a stud receiver here. Um, there are concerns with his, his size, his age, um, whether or not he'll hold up in the NFL. And he's been, I guess, leapfrogged by um, SMU's wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, in some cases. Um, so he is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum here. He's a, a big target, kind of your more prototypical receiver as opposed to Calvin Ridley, who's a little bit, you know, on the smaller side, more of the, the crafty route runner. Um, so if your team had a shot at either one of those, who would you rather go for the Calvin Ridley or the Cortland Sutton? It's good. Good. Would you rather if I'm since, and since you said your team, I'm going to talk as a Patriots fan, I'm going to talk directly to the Patriots. If that is the case, I know they've already had um, meetings with Cortland Sutton, but able to able to be able to succeed in New England, you need to be a very adept route runner, and you need to get to your spaces when you are supposed to, because Brady will just rip it to you if you are the read, and if you're not there and it's an interception, it's not Brady's fault; it's your fault. Um, and I also think that. And this is kind of talking in more immediate impact as opposed to kind of long-term impact. But in order, if you're making an immediate impact in the NFL, I feel like route running is always the thing that takes college receivers time to adjust in the NFL. Getting used to uh, battling against bigger, stronger, better defensive backs, backs who can who are just as athletic as they are as opposed to them having the athletic advantage. And so it comes down a lot more to like who can gain separation. Um and so I like, I, I mean, I like Calvin Ridley in that sense. You saw it with like Amari Cooper came in, was able to have a production because he was a very well-developed route runner. We've the last, last year's Corey Davis and Mike Williams both had injury issues, but both weren't necessarily like the most adept route runners. And so they, 
kind of struggled even when they were healthy to kind of get implemented into the offense. Um, but granted, there a lot of that was constructed on injury for the both of them. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you um, with picking Calvin Ridley. Um, so the same thing you mentioned it about the route running and how it's just a lot more difficult for guys coming out of college. It's kind of the same thing that's happening with offensive linemen uh, mm-hmm. because of partially because of the spread offense and that they're not either a getting enough reps at being sufficient run blockers or being pass protectors for an extended period of time. And um, for the, the B side, which is the wide receivers running routes, their route tree is just super limited. Um, They don't have a lot of different variations of what they're doing. So the spread offense is definitely starting to hurt some receivers. Um, Obviously not with production, but just for what they're able to do technically on the field. Um, I'm not concerned with Calvin Ridley's size um, because for me, he reminds me a little bit of Amari Cooper, um, about 10 pounds lighter than him. But he also reminds me a little bit of Nelson Aguilar, and he's actually heavier than Nelson Aguilar, believe it or not. So I'm not really concerned about Calvin Ridley. Um, It definitely feels like, I mean, you remember what it was like in college. Were you eating like an all pro NFL player? Of course not. You weren't trading with all pro NFL, like weight training staffs. This kid could put on an easy 15 pounds and be durable and sturdy. And Calvin Ridley is a great route runner already. Like that is something that's super rare. He has just got boom and explosion, like going in and out of digs and uh, coming in and out of his breaks. It is kind of scary how good he is at that already um granted i will i do agree with your last point in that you can go down and draft somebody later and they'll still be just as productive because the packers have not used a first round pick on a receiver in maybe decades i can't even remember jordy nelson was at one point their first overall pick but that was because they didn't have a first round pick and he was technically a second round pick so it's it's definitely something where if it's my team, I don't think the Packers are going to take a receiver at 14, but they will be hovering around in the second round. So who knows? And uh, to just add spice to the pot, I like DJ more better than both those guys. Um, <laughs> so my third and final, would you rather is a whole little story. Um, would you rather Jordan be Mike McCagnan and receive the vast and extensive media hate Fans burning down MetLife Stadium with pitchforks and the NY Post calling you Mike McGagnon and your own wife makes you sleep on the couch when you don't draft a quarterback third overall. Or would you rather be the guy in the horror movie who gets separated from everyone and is the first to meet his grisly fate and thus being the headless body everyone finds to show them that, hey, guess what? There's a crazy demon murderer out there. Well, I think I'm going to choose living um, oh, that's a good choice. for uh, a couple of reasons. The first being that <laughs> being it's, I it's live, the York, you're the GM of the New York Jets. So you're probably not going to be feeling the heat, you know, over the course of the entire year, like a New York Giants GM would be. It would kind of be par for the course if they didn't take a QB at three. But the only reason I can't see them, uh, not taking a quarterback is if like Saquon Barkley went dropped to three, then I can see them grabbing him if they really, really, really like him. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just take the score and be like, you know what? I I'm here for asking your hate. <laughs> Let it feed me, put it in an <laughs> IV and inject it directly into my vein. <laughs> I saw you tweeted that at I forget what it was. It's some take. I think it might have been some dumbass take about Brett Favre's arm strength. And I was just like, oh my God. I have been dying for a moment to use that because I think it's a, a beautiful and amazing <laughs> thing where you're just like, this is what I'm gonna do. Actually, here it is. I'm telling everyone, I'm I'm already announcing what the tweet's gonna be. It's when the when the Jets don't take a quarterback at number three and they cut to the fans and the whole crowd is just booing and just going crazy. I'm going to videotape that and I'm going to say inject that inject this into my veins. 
<laughs> and you know what? When you're watching the draft on TV, especially for the first round, there's never a time when the New York Jets fans are actually applauding and cheering never. to pick anyone. So no. just, just go with your heart, McCagnon. Just go for just it. Just do what you want. They're going to take whatever quarterback they take at three. The Jets are going to be like, Jets fans are going to be like, no, that's not who we wanted. It's like, well, yeah, Josh Rosen is still a phenomenal guy. He's a great get. And they're like, no, we wanted Baker. Not that great quarterback, the other great the quarterback. The other great quarterback that we His know nothing about. Cooler. Yeah, <laughs> I want that on my jersey. Um, all right, final would you rather. My final would you rather comes compliments of my just deep dive of scouting today. Um, it has to do with the rookie running back draft class. Um, personally, for fantasy purposes, even I think this rookie draft class could be as much as 10 deep. There are a lot of people who could potentially go in and just start contributing to a team right away. Granted, they're not all going to be Saquon Barkley picked in the first round. So I wanted to talk about the other products, Mm -hmm. Um, but going a little bit deeper here, would you rather take Darius guys, Sonny or Sonny Michelle in like the second or third round, or would you rather wait for somebody like Kalen Balaj? I think I'm saying that right from Arizona state or Curian Johnson from Auburn, two guys who are actually extremely gifted. And I think they might've been talked about a little bit more if this wasn't the Saquon Barkley world beater draft. <laughs> um, so what would you rather do? Would you rather grab one of those other really good backs in the second round or wait and grab, you know, a little bit of a, a sneaker surprise like um, Kareem Hunt was last year? Uh, I am huge on Sony Mitchell. Michelle, sorry. Um, I, I don't think, know how to say it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say it. When I was I was writing him once and I wrote Mitchell, then I looked and I was like, oh, no, no, there's no T and there's only one L, Michelle. Sony Michelle. Um, I'm really big on him. I think that he can come in and have a huge impact right away. Um, so just for personal preferences, I would say I'd rather take him than kind of wait back into three and four. And the other thing is, is in the running back position, because of all the things that we've touched on, because there's a short shelf life, because a lot of people run um, committees now and all of that kind of jazz, and that you can get running backs who are played different roles. Um, you could take Sony Michelle or, or uh, like a Darius guys in the second or third round, and then wait and see if one of those other running backs to be talked about, you know, kind of like the ninth or 10th back is available in the fifth or sixth round. I mean, never forget Washington traded up to get RG three at, you know, second overall pick and then drafted Kirk cousins in the fourth round. So, you know, you can always uh, you can always add another running back to the uh, or another rookie to the to whatever positional room you want. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely after the first round, unless you're getting like Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel Elliott, and once the second round hits day two of the draft, you're kind of like, okay, so the the stench is off. Nobody's going to right. be like, what are you doing drafting yeah. a running back? No, I think that's when it starts to really taper off but I would probably go a little bit with the Packers approach. I might wait until about the fourth round or so to pick a running back because I was watching some, some highlights and some breakdowns of uh, these two running backs as individual games. And it was Kalen Balaj and Kurian Johnson. I liked Kalen Balaj a lot. I think he's a little bit David Johnson-y, um, which is pretty high praise. That but is David very Johnson, high praise. David Johnson wasn't exactly a first-round pick either. Um, he's a big back. He's about 6'1", uh, so he runs a little bit upright, but he can catch passes. He can. Um, he tested pretty well as well because he's fast. He's pretty explosive. Um, I think if I was a semi needy running back team. I would definitely wait until like the fourth round. But of course, if you think your team is just, you know, one solid running game away from breaking away from the rest of the pack, then I mean, like the giants, for example, then I think you use one of those valuable second round picks, but I I think teams could do very well if they just held back. Cause I mean, you got Royce Freeman back there. Um, I haven't watched a whole lot on Ronald Jones yet, but he'll probably be a little bit of a day two pick. Um, yeah, I, I would wait day two, day three. 
Definitely. Yeah. I think it's all just kind of personal preference and how you see the running back position. I just, I am all, I mean, it's a position that we've definitely seen in the past where you can address it at any point in the draft and you're likely to find uh, usable and, and starting caliber talent. So it's definitely one that you can probably, it's probably fairly safe to kind of, to wait on, especially in a draft like this one or what we saw last year um, where there's a lot of running back talent and it tends to trickle down all the way into like the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Quarterback is generally the only position where it's like you can't necessarily always take the best player available. If you need a quarterback, you pretty much just have to get a quarterback. That's just the way it is. Um, But I'm generally a believer in taking the best player available. But guess what? The consensus best player available at that spot particular spot is not going to nobody's going to entirely agree unless of course it's Andrew Luck you know coming out of the first round there's always going to be a little bit of disparity well even actually in that draft two people were still debating Andrew Luck RG3 like up until the actual pick was announced the second you're right you're definitely right about whatever you know the stench is on the first round and as soon as that's done teams are just like all right great we didn't screw it up let's uh let's just go crazy yeah and I that's the fun part I keep saying it too. This this draft feels like it's pretty damn deep. <laughs> yeah, um, this draft is gonna be exciting. Part of that is because quarterbacks have just got to go up towards the top of the draft. It's a weird year for that, um, but at the same time, that's that's pushing people down. And this draft is deep, and I can't wait for it. It's gonna be awesome. If it doesn't live up to height, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Um, no kudos and pudos this week. Uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Clark is thir- thoroughly enjoyed his warm vacation in Hawaii. And we'll hear all about it next week. Make sure, oh man, we're teasing it already. Make sure to tune in to next week's podcast because we are doing a live mock draft. That is right. We are each going to take whatever 32 divided by three is. Um, and that number of teams, and we are going to draft for them maybe if we're being super ambitious we'll even do live on the podcast trades um that could be fun but so make sure to tune into that uh and make sure to subscribe we are on itunes and stitcher rate review comment do all of that fun stuff if you didn't like uh, if you thought that we didn't feel ourselves as much this episode please let us know we would love to know what you think is our level of feeling ourselves if it's too high too low uh you know make sure to make sure to let us know make sure to to follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast you can follow myself at pete m rogers follow jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 and we will be back at your beautiful ears next week until then stay free peace